I'm all about building communities, celebrating unique journeys, and sharing stories about the paths people have taken to enter the tech industry. Join me as we explore the skills my guests have learned in their prior jobs, schooling, or life experiences, and how they apply them to their current roles in tech. In today's episode of We Belong Here, I interview Jonan Scheffler, who had, as he says, over 40 jobs before breaking into tech. Today, we talk all about that journey, his lessons learned, the value of community and authenticity, and his new role as the Director of Developer Relations at New Relic. You're here to like genuinely add value to my community. If you're showing up for developers, mm-hmm. I'm going to notice your company. I'm going to care about what you do. I'm your host, Lauren Lee, and this is We Belong Here, Lessons from Unconventional Paths to Tech. Jonan, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. I'm so glad to be here. Thank you again. Oh my gosh. Thank you for being a part of this. I guess we should just start at the beginning, shall we? I am there. Let's do it. <laughs> okay. Can you tell me more about the experiences that you had before you entered the tech industry? I can tell you a lot of things. Um, very <laughs> fortunately for you, brevity is not one of my strong suits. Let's so let's it. start at settle the beginning. Settle in, folks. <laughs> yeah, settle in. <laughs> Grab a beer or three. I... <laughs> see. I got into tech um, about 10 years ago Okay. in a real serious way. I guess I, I started my, my life as a professional developer about 10 years right. ago, and I had been programming since I was a kid. Oh. I had a Apple IIe, wrote some basic, uh, but I never really had anyone around me. I mean, there was no internet back mm-hmm. then, right? I didn't own any programming books, never had anyone to guide me. And so I had a lot of false starts in software over the years. Mm. Um, I eventually in university studied computer science and Japanese. And this was right around 2000. Honestly, computer science was not looking awesome at the time. I was looking at a world where like every developer I knew was real sad about their life. They worked at game development shops where they were just kind of abused. Many of them were getting laid off. It just didn't. Got it. Didn't appeal to me. So I, I struck out into the world with my uh, Japanese degree, having dropped the CS and ended up doing all kinds of nonsense for 10 plus years uh, where I was broker dealer in the end. I, I, along the way, I was like a car salesman. I was a concierge. I worked in factories. You know, those little, um, if you go to Costco, they have those little plastic handles that hold jugs of juice together. Sure. You know what I'm talking about. Those little, yeah, yeah totally. it's, those are made by a company called PacTech in Eugene, Oregon. I pulled those off of the production line for a period mm, of time. That's right. You're from Oregon. and di- Okay. So did some creeping LinkedIn style. Did I nice. see that you grew up in Ashland? I did. Yeah. Do okay, you know so, Ashland? Yeah. The Shakespeare town. Yes. When exactly. I was an English teacher, I used to bring my students there for, you know, the theater kids, we would go for and see four shows and just like totally geek out and have the greatest times of our lives. I love that town. I do too. And I love the Shakespeare festival. And it, this is really, this is a very oh. privileged thing to say, but until I got out into the world outside of the, the 16,000 person town that is Ashland, mm-hmm. I didn't realize that it wasn't normal to just go to the Shakespeare Festival like eight mm. times a year as part of your yeah. elementary education. Wow, so special. Oh my gosh, what a dream. I love it. I That really just speaks to my language. But it also speaks to maybe something about you're great on stage and as an advocate too to present content, I think. And so there's perhaps a link there, but interesting. Okay, cool. So back to Eugene, you were creating in a factory 
plastic bits. Uh... <laughs> Sorry, I got well off track there. Yeah, so I ended up, I was a poker dealer in the end. I, I poker. was in gaming, okay. yeah. And I was dealing poker and then I got laid off from the casino. At a casino? Yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. okay. Out on the Oregon coast in Florence and um, okay. they were, you know, struggling at the time. There was this huge collapse in like poker as a boom. Uh, mm. And so I, I ended up looking for work and I, I was on Craigslist one morning and I turned to my wife and I was like, I want to be a Ruby on Rails engineer. She said, what's that? And I was like, I have no idea, but they make a lot of money. And so I'm going to do that, you know? Um, so I went about it. Yeah. yeah. I found my way here because I, I looked around the state for any company that was using Ruby and I found someone who um, had Ruby up and also needed an HTML CSS person. And that was a thing I could do. I knew that. And so I got in and talked them into making me an apprentice software engineer and ah. got into a code school called Hungry Academy about 10 years ago and learned Ruby on Rails. Huh. And it's been a long ride since then. So that, as promised, the not brief answer to how I got into tech. Yeah, I'm so curious how you decided... It sounds like you had an aha moment and decided you wanted to learn Ruby and to learn to code and to pivot again. But why Ruby in particular? So I had done a little bit of programming early in life. And part of the motivation for walking away from Java at the time was that it was unpleasant to write. And the tooling back then was much different than it is today. I hope no one takes this as a reflection of what language to choose today. But it was painful back then. And I, when I was working at the casino, started experimenting a little bit with Ruby. I went on break one time and I wrote, I guess throughout my whole shift that day, I wrote a program to simulate poker hands in what I thought was pseudocode at the time. And then I went home and I typed it in and it ran. Oh my gosh. And I thought, well, I think I should probably use this language for the rest of my life. And so I've been. Yeah. Ruby. yeah, that's a great vignette about Ruby itself. I love that. It's so clear to me immediately what the code does. And the community has been so supportive and loving and open. I've really found nothing like it. So I've, I've stuck pretty close to Ruby my whole career. That's where you and I first met. Is that right? At a Ruby conference. You were, yes. you were, I, I was a Ruby opportunity scholar and you were a mentor. You were so kind and so welcoming and gracious and made sure I felt, I was a boot camper. I felt so out of place, had no idea what I was doing. And here you come, just being like, come sit next to me. Do you want to meet Matt's? I mean, it was just a wild experience, but wow, that will forever ring true as, as my first introduction to conferences, Ruby in particular. And it was just incredible. Well, I'm so glad to hear that because I, you know, I honestly didn't remember the exact story of how we'd met until just now. I meet <laughs> so many people in these communities. I know that you were from Ada Academy and Ada Academy was mm -hmm. founded by a Hungry Academy grad. Um, oh, I love that. That's right. Yeah. Uh, so that was Elise Worthy, who I went to school with, that we both Elise. came through boot camp together. And uh, I assumed that I'd known you through the 80s community, but I met you yeah. through that mentor program. That's right. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And I've now like, yeah, got last year went on to mentor myself. And so yeah, it's you to thanks for that, though, because of the positive experience I had with that. And yeah, I mean, I'm so forever grateful for Ada Developers Academy. I mean, just a fully funded 
year-long program for women and gender diverse folks, like, sure. Wow. Hello. Incredible. So yeah, big, big fan. Uh, Okay. So bring me to today. I know you've had a lot of winding roads. When I met you, you were at Heroku as a developer advocate, but today you are the director of developer relations at New Relic. Congratulations. What a cool gig. I am very fancy. Yes. I. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It's been kind of a trip to end up here. I, I did not expect this turn of events. I had kind of turned my back on DevRel after Heroku. I loved my job. I did. It just, it's a lot. It's an easy thing mm-hmm. to burn out on. And I Absolutely. burned out real hard at the same time that I just was not able to keep um, that separation of like sales and um, mm. developer yeah. needs, you know? I mean, so there's this thing that's happening in Devro right now. I'll just be very explicit about it. That sure. there are a lot of people out there doing developer relations, in my opinion, in the entirely wrong direction where they are equivalent to standing on a corner and like the, the, um, what is the, the wind guy? You know what I'm talking about? I'm like top of a car sales building. There's the guy with the waving arms on the fan. Oh yeah. 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 The wonky arm. I'm yeah. doing the motion. Right I now. am too. Of course I am. <laughs> yes, and everyone yes. who's listening is doing it too. That like wavy arm so. guy is like, look at me, look yeah. at me. Bye, bye, bye. And that's such the mm-hmm. opposite of what is good when it comes to developer relations, because that doesn't work on any of us and we know it. It's off-putting. Mm. I don't want to engage with that kind of conversation. If you're here to like genuinely add value to my community, if you're showing up for developers, mm-hmm. I'm going to notice your company and I'm going to care about what you do. But so many people get it backwards. You're not there to sell anything. You're not there to get people to buy anything. You're there to become a genuine resource from the community for the community. And, and if you mm. do that successfully then they will come to you when they need help with your product. And that's the relationship mm-hmm. you're trying to build. You want a developer rather than walking away when they have a hard time using New Relic to reach out to me on Twitter and say, hey, I'm having a hard time using New Relic. I can take that feedback to the product team. I can help that person. I can mm-hmm. inform our content and our docs direction to solve that for the community. It's about prioritizing the community. And I think a lot of people get it wrong. So. I was done. Mm-hmm. I was ready to walk away from DevRel. And a friend of mine, Katie, um, bless her heart, which I think in the South is how they say a different thing. Um, yeah. <laughs> Katie came to me and said, well, Jonan, you just have to decide if you want to help one person or help a lot of people. And I was like, mm, so frustrating, <laughs> but right. <laughs> it's true. I did. I, I, I really, I need to be doing this work. I would not be a developer today if I had not gone to Hungry Academy, again, a fully paid program. I was handed a gift by the world and I have to spend the rest of my life paying it forward. I just have to. Mm, Yeah. I I mean, I couldn't agree more. I think that really rings true for me as well. It's it's being a part of it authentically, genuinely, and not just shouting from the rooftop about my product, my company's APIs, come use them. It's That's sickening, but it is easy to see that some folks fall into that. It's not their fault. It's pressure from the executive team. Oh, absolutely. Or, or whoever in the company. Yeah. They see all of these people, highly paid, specialized professionals, producing content that is not just all about the product all the time. They can't possibly be adding value. Mm. Well, of course they are. They're talking about right. nerd stuff that nerds right. like. 
they're not here to talk about your product, you know? <laughs> anyway. No, that's kind of you to say though, but I think, yeah, it's the pattern. But I think it sounds as though as director of developer relations at New Relic, you're able to uh, create that ethos and that culture that folks that join your team will be genuine participant of a community. Is that correct? I mean, yeah, to an extreme. <laughs> I, this this interview is timed a little bit poorly for our um, our news, but I would be excited to hear your thoughts about a month from now when we have launched our team. We've got a really awesome team of people and we're not yet uh, talking about what it is that we've built here or what we're about to do. But I'm really excited about the way New Relic is showing up for people right now. I love it. So back to your LinkedIn and my creeping. That's not the best word. I'm just doing some research. You did work at New Relic before, correct? You're a boomerang on it. I am a boomerang Ah. on it. Just back again. Yeah. I was there for a couple of years after uh, Living Social. So Hungry Academy was run by Living Social. And then Mm -hmm. I left Living Social to go to New Relic. Cool. And I left New Relic straight to Heroku. So that was all. Yeah. I love it. Uh, Okay. So, I I mean, often I wonder uh, when chatting with folks here, you know, what kept you maybe from entering the tech industry before you did? And it sounds as though it was, there was pieces of it that you were curious and it always was just a side hustle for you or something that you just did as a hobby? Yeah, it was that. And it's also really hard to get your foot in the Mm. door. There's a lot of leveling up to do. Mm. Yeah. Just working in a professional office environment for one, right? It's very different to work at a software company than it is to work on a poker table, (laughs) right? Those are very different um, work environments and and making that transition at the same time that I had a lot of technical leveling up to do. You know, I, I feel for the people who met me early on in my tech career mm. because I had so much learning to do. Mm. I'll put it nicely to past me. I had a lot of learning to do about what it meant to operate as a professional. And, you know, that's it's it's a difficult transition to make by any stretch. But right. now the the number of technologies that you need to know just to get noticed is so deep. You know, it's a much more complicated world to get into the industry than it was even then. Mm-hmm. And and back then it was hard, mystifying to me. I just didn't know where to start. Yeah. I mean, I think that that's super fair and relatable and folks I'm sure are feeling that also or listeners can connect to that piece because that can be just a massive burden in itself. Coming back to what you were saying, were there things from poker or car sales or the factory work that did help you or do help you today in your DevRel work? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Mm. Every day. I, I have so much that informs my work every day that I bring from that back. I mean, you think about what a concierge does, right? That hmm. I'm there to just have the answer. That it's the the correct answer for a concierge is never, I, I don't know, or I can't do that. It's I'm going to find out. Mm-hmm. I'll make it happen. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. you want tickets to the sold out conference. Um, you want all, all sorts of other obnoxious asks because you're spoiled and you want root beer at 3 a.m. Yes, I can get all of these things for you. And being that kind of resourceful person that you're forced to be in that role certainly informs my work today. I think similarly, standing on my feet for a 12-hour shift, making plastic parts, you know, that's, that's intense. It's real hard to look at my life where I 
you know, sit here at my computer and talk to my friends on the internet and tweet sometimes because it's my actual job and be like, oh, my life is so hard, right? It's just not. Like, it's easy to forget when you come into tech that this is pretty awesome. This is a real good way to make a living. And as frustrating as it is for a lot of reasons, it is far better than the alternative for sure. I think that's the biggest one for me Absolutely. is that it informs my perspective on life. And that's what I love about career changers is that you will never find a more driven population of human beings. They have not yet forgotten that, I guess, they haven't yet lost the ability to relate to the rest of humanity that sometimes comes in tech with time. And I hope I never get there. But there is definitely a separation. That's what enables so much toxicity that exists in our communities is that people, I think, they they have this entitlement that that they deserve here and that they're here because they they deserve to be here. It's just, yeah, it's not true and it's never been true. And the people who are coming from a different background, they not only have the drive to succeed, but they they don't ever forget those lessons. And it really makes for better peers, in my opinion. Yeah, of course. I, I think that's totally fair. I mean, they've demonstrated the ability to self-start, take a giant leap of faith and, mm -hmm. you know, enter into the unknown and figure out stuff without instructor telling them how to do it, you know? And so great at like tackling bugs or making sense of documentation, I found, because you know, it's just that that learning that is happening, you know, after a full day's worth of work and just the drive and grit perseverance that folks can demonstrate in it is just so I'm so in awe daily and especially while talking to people uh, for this podcast, for sure. I, I know that this is a podcast for non-traditional background developers, but I do want to just call out to my friends with traditional CS backgrounds that this is not me saying that there are not driven people in oh, the population. Course. I'm simply saying like as a hiring manager, you'd have to be kind of, you really need to take the time to look at those resumes closely and realize that it is not by accident that someone worked on a poker table and then uprooted their entire life and their entire family and moved across the country to go to code school for 16 hour days yeah. for six yeah. months. That's <laughs> not a, oh, I slipped and fell into this yeah. life. I'm intentional. I want this. I'm going to fight for this. Yeah. I'm going to sacrifice a lot for this. Absolutely. No. And I, I think I need to continuously put out messages into the ether that this is not an anti-CS degree podcast by any means. This is just about celebrating unique journeys and amplifying their stories and ensuring that folks who are curious about transitioning and making a later in life career move that you're welcome and we are excited to have you. And there are so many examples of folks who've been wildly successful. And so ensuring that the community is there to catch you, that people, when they, you know, make that leap of faith. Yeah. Just I'm yeah. when you're coming into this community, it can be disheartening when you're coming into software for the first sure. time, it's easy to look around and feel like you're looking uphill in all directions, but recognize that the people you're looking at, they don't have all of the pieces in the pie and you, you, you don't have them all either, but you've got different pieces and you're comparing your piece of the pie to someone else's where there maybe is, is 1% overlap. Just, you really need to get over the thing 
where you're trying to compare yourself to the people around you to gauge your own success. Your success is determined by you and how you have grown against your own benchmark that you determine every day. So you want to judge yourself, judge yourself by that measuring stick and stop, stop looking around at people who, in many cases, you should not be emulating anyway. So where you started, not where it's someone else. Sure. I love that. I'm sure there are many, but can you share any life lessons that you've learned from your transition to tech? That's the biggest one, I think, to be kind to yourself and forgiving of your own inadequacies as a human being. But I mean, even just saying it that way makes it wrong. It's not about being inadequate. Humans are different and complementary in beautiful ways. And to the extent that we're able to get more people with more interesting backgrounds in technology, we make technology better for everyone. We need you here. We want to support you. It's hard to remember that when you're out there sending resume after resume into the void, but hang in there. The world needs you. We need you in tech. I'm really glad you're here. Please keep it up. I love it. Can you tell me about a time maybe you felt like an outsider and how you've dealt with those feelings? Oh, yeah. So I have to admit that I am feeling a little bit better about imposter syndrome in a way that I never thought I would just in the last. Yeah. I mean, I just, I don't know what it is that changed really. I felt like I would never be good enough. I would never belong. I was not part of Mm. these communities for a long, long time. And I think what, if I think carefully about it, I think what actually changed is that I maybe stopped caring as much. I started Mm. to get some wins. I started to be able to point to some things that I've done in my career and say, I did that. Mm-hmm. That was successful. I may have failed on all of these other projects. There was this thing that went terribly wrong. I don't care. I did this thing and yeah. it was amazing. And when you get a few of those, you can start to hang your professional success around those and you don't have to compare as much to the people around you. When you start to realize that we are all making valuable contributions in very different ways, I think it gets easier, Mm -hmm. but it never really goes away. So in talking about a particular time, I I would just think back to all of those conversations (laughs) I had my first couple of years in tech where I was sitting out, you know, over a drink or at dinner with some developers and it was just a nonstop stream of acronyms that I didn't understand. Yes. And I would misuse and I was so horribly embarrassed and my cheeks would burn. I'd be like, oh, oh, that sounds like REST to me. That's a RESTful API. And they're like, that is not at all a RESTful <laughs> API. What are you even, that's not even an API. Do you know what that means? No, you know, yeah, try not to well, react that like way. Great friends. <laughs> yeah, right. No, it's not. That's not a great way to react to people. Anytime you're, you're doing that to somebody, think carefully. Um, but yeah, I, I think all of those conversations really helped contribute to that early on as if I needed any assistance, right? My brain was mean enough to me. I didn't need that help. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. But I think it's important too, to celebrate successes and keep a log of them so that when you are feeling down, no need to even measure them. They're just successes and moments that you've kind of killed it. They happen and we are hard on ourselves and it's easy to forget them sometimes too. I have a friend who calls that a rainbow list, actually. I have to give credit to Chloe Condon for this one who says, I love that. Yeah. Like I've had a folder that is my inspiration folder in my 
um, Dropbox for a long time where I keep the email you get from someone that, you know, says, hey, I'm in tech because of you. Mm. Thank you. Kind of email. I save those because they mean so much to me that I, you know, on occasion opening up my inspiration folder folder will be moved to tears. And that's a really Mm. good thing to have in your life when you need it in as like those moments when you feel like you're not enough and you're not doing any of it right and you can open a folder and be reminded that these five people think you are and (laughs) i just i love to have that around so i'm I'm gonna rename it to rainbow list and i'm gonna put your story about uh meeting at rubyconf in there and and what it meant to you because those stories they mean the world to me that's why i'm here absolutely yeah yeah it is so a moment of community as well you know you're we're not alone in the in this industry and this journey and i think in 2020 it's easy to feel as though we are sometimes but the community factor on that is so important as well absolutely it's been really interesting to me to see the world catch up Mm -hmm. we are suddenly all at remote companies and we're having to have these online communities and tech people are struggling a little bit to survive in that world and we're great at it we're great Mm -hmm. at making friends on twitter but we also get to hug (laughs) them sometime at conferences and we haven't in a while so Well, Jonah, do you have any advice for those wanting to transition into tech that you can share? Yes, I do, actually. I think that you should be cautious with the resources you find and choose early on. Mm. There's a lot out there. It's a lot of content being produced. And the people who are going to continue to guide you into this community are there for the right reasons. I think it's important to choose resources that are built by the community, Um, things that have stood the test of time. You know, if you're going to find content to learn to program, um, find something that has become a genuine resource to the community over the years. In fact, having said just that, I recommend the book Learn to Program by Chris Pine. If you're just starting, go read that book and read it again and try and understand beyond just the programming knowledge contained therein, sure. why it's made that way and why it's still such a valuable contribution to our communities. Because it's about the people that mm. you you find yourself amongst along the way. Those are the people who are really going to drive your success in tech. Mm. And similarly, if you're just starting out in your transition to tech, you know, try and find ways to distinguish yourself. I have told people this for a long time, but it I think is is hard advice to maybe stick that the part where you're just papering the world with resumes and your resume looks like everyone else's resume, you're unlikely to have success there. Add some things to your resume that are unusual. If you find that everyone in your local community is a React developer, be a Vue developer, be a, a Django developer, be a Rails developer, make yourself stand out from the pack. And in addition to that, make real relationships with the other developers in your community. Because honestly, most of the work that I've had has come through those friends that I've made at conferences and meetups. And I know it's harder now, but there are ways to engage with those communities online. I mean, just go on Twitter, go on Twitter, put your Twitter profile up, start talking to people, follow the the hashtags that they're using, 100 days of code, right? Is that the one? 
Yeah, the 100 Days of Code, the advent of code, all of these learners hashtags, there's a huge community of people out there online. And if you surround yourself with other learners who are also driven and passionate, they're going to share your excitement with you and they're going to keep you going. It's all about the community. They're going to drive your success here. If you end up forcing yourself to go away in your room and read book after book on, on software. Learn to program is short, by the way. <laughs> don't don't worry, but read that one and then get online and talk about it and experiment with code. You'll have a much better, easier path into tech. Well, I'll be sure to include that book in the show notes for folks that are looking for that resource. And I, I'm curious, um, how do you recommend folks suss out the tools to learn? Because if you want them to be smart about what they choose, because you're correct, you type in learn to code and there are millions of resources that inundate you and it's overwhelming. And then how do you choose? How do you ask that question? Do you just put it to Twitter? Do you ask the one developer that someone might know? I feel like there's this moment where folks are not, we, at Ada, we called it tech unadjacent, like people that I was someone like that, that I had no one in my world that was in tech or was a developer or wore any of those hats. Uh, so how do you recommend people do that research, if you will? I think you need to ask yourself real carefully what they stand to gain from having you in mm. their learners community. Mm. And if the answer is mm. money, and it usually is, um, mm -hmm. if it's your money, that's a problem. You, you are coming mm -hmm. into tech to make money, probably. Absolutely. Right? I mean, among other yeah, reasons, yeah. you should be here because you enjoy the work, but uh, let's not mince words about it. This is a place people come because it is Absolutely. lucrative. You're here to get a check. I'm here to get a check. And I think it's a little bit exploitative, the degree to which some of the educational resources take mm -hmm. advantage of that. When you see like, $800 learn to code mm. courses. I mean, come on. There's something to be said for paying content creators. Look, I'm a content creator. I want to be able to make it sustainable sure. for myself, but I also want to not do it in a predatory way. <laughs> That's well put. Yeah. You know, yeah. just look out for that. If you can't identify um, the the product, you're it, right? Like if, if you can't figure out how they're making money, well, the answer is you. So just be cautious of that. Look for places like free code camp, you know, bit projects, stuff that's stuff that's out there that's here to support you in a authentic way because they're showing up for the community. They actually want tech to be a better place. And that's why they're here to help you. That should be their motivation. Shouldn't be your your meager wallet. That is phenomenal advice. Thank you so much for sharing that. Uh, okay, uh, Jonan, make your shout out. What would you like listeners to go check out? Go read the book. I want to make it very clear. I have no horse in this game, uh, this race. I, I don't have any um, affiliate relationship set up uh, set up with Learn to Program, but uh, it's written by a good friend of mine, Chris Pine, who once signed a copy uh, at my request to the best programmer I have ever known. Uh, when I first met Chris Pine, the author of this book that I had read and enjoyed, I was like, will you just sign the book like this? And I think he actually said um, the to Jonan, the person who taught me all about programming and the universe and everything or something. I still have my uh, Sandy Metz that you actually encouraged me to go have her sign uh, at that RubyConf. And it's one of my prized possessions. <laughs> You're like, she's a human. Go I talk to her. Book. I can't. I idolize her. You're like, come on, let's go. <laughs> 
She's so amazing, isn't Amanda. she? I love Sandy. Oh my gosh, yes. But no, um, yes. Okay, I, I will, uh, again, include that book in the in the show notes. So everyone, definitely go check it out. Uh, and Jonan, where can people find you online? I am The Jonan Show. Uh, my <laughs> name is J-O-N-A-N. I guess if you are finding the show notes, you'll be able to spell it out. But it's spelled like Conan with a J. I'm The Jonan Show everywhere that matters. Mostly just, I guess, GitHub and Twitter is where I hang out online. And sure. um, yeah, if you um, are inclined to send emails to people, you can send me email at jonan at newrelic.com. But I will probably check that once a day at best. Just DM me on Twitter. <laughs> it's like an instant messenger that's just open to the whole world. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much uh, for sharing your wisdom, your journey, and your unique transition to tech with the We Belong Here audience. I so, so appreciate you. I appreciate you for doing this and I appreciate your whole community. Keep it up. If you ever need uh, someone in your corner, just to shout inspiration at you. I'm here for you. <laughs> Thank you so much. I'll talk to you soon. Okay. Bye. Bye. And that's a wrap on today's episode. I'm Lauren Lee. Thank you for listening to We Belong Here. If you have any questions about this or any other episode, Find me on Twitter at Lolo Coding. That's L-O-L-O-C-O-D-I-N-G. Shoot me an email or leave a comment on the We Belong Here website. If you enjoyed this episode, please, please, please subscribe and review the show on your podcast player of choice. And be sure to check us out next week for another story and lessons learned from an unconventional path to tech.